Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. On today's episode, the RV is going to New Brunswick in the East Coast of Canada to speak with Paula Tozer. Paula is an author, actor, and singer, singer, songwriter, <laughs> and her latest book, Enchanting Thrive, is out now. So Paula, welcome to the RV. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here traveling along with you. <laughs> yes, it was a long way to go to East Coast <laughs> of Canada. Can you tell us a little bit about your city? Fredericton is the capital city of New Brunswick, which is a maritime province in Canada on the East Coast, the Atlantic side. And it is the a very diverse city where it's a university town as well. And we have people from all over the world who come here and make a life. And it is wonderful to be part of that vibrant society. So anytime anyone is interested in coming to Canada, I suggest coming to New Brunswick and visiting Fredericton because you will enjoy it. I'm very certain. Oh, great tips. So I'm sure our listeners will check it on the map to see where yep. the city is located. And Paula, you got a black belt in Taekwondo at the age yes. of 42 years old. Yes. What made you want to try Taekwondo? Well, all of my life, I have I've been very physical, very active. And when I was younger, I was deeply influenced by the television show Kung Fu. I loved that philosophy. I loved the way that they conducted themselves. I loved the honor in it. And I always wanted to take a martial art. So when my son was nine years old, I put him in Taekwondo. And there I am standing in the sidelines and watching everything they're doing and going like this and thinking, why am I sitting here? Why don't I join the class? And I had to... I was a little afraid, I must say, because I was, number one, the oldest woman in the class and the only adult in, well, there might have been two or three other adults, but none my age. And I thought, well, what if I embarrass myself? What if I fall down? What if I, and you know what? It did happen, but it has been such a wonderful journey and such an accomplishment that I highly suggest it for anyone to try something that pushes you out of your comfort zone, because this certainly did for me. But the accomplishment of that at age 42 was something that has impacted the rest of my life in a very positive way and given me so much confidence to be able to tackle other things and more and more epic adventures, because I consider that an epic adventure. It is, and you are fearless. I try. Being the oldest person in the in the class didn't stop you. And also, mm -hmm. Paula, you act, sing, and write. So mm -hmm. when did you first realize you were creative? 
Well, you know, this is something that I believe that everyone has is creative from the moment that we're born. We are creative beings. And a lot of times that creativity is trained out of us. But for me, it was my essence. I was in touch with that. I couldn't help but be a creator. I couldn't help but be a writer and a dreamer and, a, and have all these visions in my life of things I wanted to do. And I was one of the ones that was fierce enough to be able to hang on to that and keep it with me for all of my life. Now, I have lost it at certain periods of time. There were barren periods in my life, especially when, you know, you're under very stressful situations and things happen to you that you have to deal with. And it sometimes can can make you be not as uh, fully vibrant and fully creative as you could be. But it doesn't go away. It's always there for access. And once life settled down, it came back with a vengeance. It came back with just a, an absolute vibrancy. And I have not stopped since. It's just a matter of trying to schedule time in order to be able to do all the things I want to do. So that's why I have started my singing, recording all my original music. I've taken on acting. I've decided to try everything that when I was younger, I always wanted to do and kind of denied myself for a period of time. It is fun. Wow, that's great. And I love when you said that creativity is your birthright as a human being. I love it, Paula. Yes, yes. yes. I truly believe that because, you know, that inner child that's in us deserves its time in the sun. It deserves to play. And we have to learn to play again, sometimes all over again as an adult. I call that serious play because it is something that is so vital to our happiness and to our personal empowerment, our confidence, our self-esteem is to be creative in whatever way you choose, not because someone else is doing it, but because it's something that just fires you up inside. That is the most important part to me. What is important to you? What makes your heart sing? And then express that. Yeah, I totally agree. If you mm -hmm. observe a child, uh, they will always find a way to play with something and use the imagination. But mm -hmm. as we get older, some people may lose sight of that. So it's it's a pity. It certainly is, you know, and there are tough times in life. We all have had them. You know, there's traumatic times, there's stressful things that happen to us that can help, that can make us lose our the joy that we have in creating things that are that are beautiful, the things that really make us feel good. But the, the way that I see it is if you find a tribe, a group of people who want the same things and are excited about creativity, that is what I would suggest. Anyone who is sitting at home thinking, I really would like to do something epic like this in my life, what's epic for me? I suggest looking it up, seeking a club or seeking an organization that wants the same things that you do and join them because that's catching it. That is the good contagion right there. And Paula, your third book, no, he's your third book. Yes, your yes. third book 
enchanting truth. Yes. It just truth. came out. And can you quickly tell us what the book is about? Well, I would love to. This book is a the way it happened was way back in the day, I had a dog whose name was Treve. I've always been a critter lover. Dogs, cats, budgies, guinea pigs, anything that you could possibly have for pets. I generally had those. Now, Treve was a dog that impacted my life a lot. She was one of the sweetest animals that I've ever known. And when I went away to university, so we, we grew up together. I had her probably when I was 10. And, and then when I went away to university, uh, that week, Tree vanished. And we never knew what happened to her. And that always made me sad because I thought, where did what happened to my dog? Where did she go? Did she, was she in pain when she died? I, you know, there's so many things that you think about, right? So I decided one day, writing has healed me in so many ways. Why not write her story? Why not write it right down to the last breath that she has so I can be there with her in that? And then this way she doesn't have to die alone. And I can, in my imagination, I can be there with her as well. So the book Enchanting Treve came from that idea. And it just took on, as books do, a life of its own, where the characters came in and they were the ones that I loved from childhood. These were people who, and all of their essences seemed to come together in this story. All the powerful, it's about three powerful women. So it's narrated from their stage. And it's perfect that this is International Women's Day because it is three powerful women's voices in this, all powerful in their own way, all dealing with their own issues and problems and loves and loss and life. And the dogs that enhance their life, that make them better people. Because I believe that when we have animals, they help us to become better people. Absolutely. And there's an enchanting twist in there. And that's where the title comes from. It, there's a little bit of, of what I call uh, the big fish story. Just a little bit in there where it's like, oh, could that really have happened? Or is that simply fiction or could it really have happened and I leave the reader wondering about that and it was it was so much fun to write and to bring the characters to life and to share this with the world now is just awesome it is and I know losing a beloved pet is never easy and I'm oh, sure man, no. people will read it and it will be I don't know hope or maybe a feeling of happiness maybe because i'm sure your book in as well it is highly entertaining there's some exceptionally funny parts there's also some so it takes you on a ride of all of the different emotions there's a lot of philosophical content there that gives a person maybe a little more perspective on the way things are and sometimes gives us a chance to look at the big picture and it does offer at least like for me, and I figure that I am a person who is very much like all of the critter lovers out there. We all like to have some sort of a resolution to a story, something that makes us feel, even if we've lost something, that there's an action that we can take that makes us feel good. 
And sometimes, you know, they call it post-traumatic growth. It's something that when you lose someone or something that is really beloved to you, if you can make it better in the life of someone else, if you can make a difference, it it helps you to heal as well. And that's what this book is doing. Now, there's another very interesting thing about this. The book, I am contributing 35% of the proceeds of this book to the SPCA because I, the work they do is awesome. And I wanted to help in any way I could to contribute to that. And this is just one way that I can. Yeah. And I know you've rescued many dogs and cats, <laughs> including your current five for babies. You have five. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. It's a full house here. Three cats and two dogs. And yeah, and, you know, I believe in rescuing an animal because there are too many, as we know, there are too many out there that are waiting for forever homes and that need us. Now, there are some challenges with with rescuing animals, too. So you have to be prepared. But there are so many people there to help you prepare for that and so much support that it's just simply a matter of saying, yes, I will rescue. And I highly, highly recommend that. I wish I could get all them all, but I can't. Yep. I can't put them in an apartment. <laughs> I know, like you, you can't, you can't look after them all. But you know what? Each one can look after and love one, and that is enough. That is all that a person can ask of themselves: is to take on what they can, they can do. Now, some people might not have the money to be able to afford even to rescue one. If that's the case, then you can, if you want to, and you really feel that urge, you can volunteer to help at a shelter. You can do something that can help them, even if you can't afford it yourself. So there's always an alternative, always a way to help. Yeah. Paula, tell us more about the SPCA and how your book is involved. Well, for me, what I did is I thought, okay, if I, I've always had this dream, if I ever had the the funds to be able to do it, I would sponsor a veterinarian to go to school and then to when he came out to look after animals specifically for the SPCA. I've, I've often thought that would be a wonderful thing to do. And well, I don't have, you know, a lot all that kind of money to do that at this point. So I thought, how can I help? What can I do in some way, shape, or form that can help them? And this way, I thought, well, I've just just published a book. I can contribute in that way so that when I promote the book, I gain readers, I gain an audience, they gain an audience, and the animals do. So it's win, win, win. For everyone. And, you know, to me, that is, if, if you do something that also can help other people, that's the best. That's the best thing that I can think of, is wow. to help yourself and help others. Your efforts in rescuing dogs and cats and donating part of your book profits to help mm -hmm. them is mm -hmm. truly inspiring. Paula... Yeah. I hope more people can do what you do. And thank you for making a difference in their lives. It is very empowering and very satisfying 
to be able to do something that you know is making a substantial difference in the lives of fur babies that really the vulnerable ones that truly need us. And, you know, there are many, many, many charities, many wonderful charities. This is just one small way that I can help with something that is very dear to my heart. And I, I know that, and that's, this could be a challenge to all authors, find some way to contribute, give back what you've been given in such abundance, your beautiful creativity, your beautiful work in a way that will help someone else. That's a challenge right there. Mm -hmm. And you don't just write books, though. You're also a songwriter. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> You're doing so much. So what is your writing process like? And where does your inspiration come from in terms of music? All right. Well, music, for me, I am a lyricist first. I am not a, a, an accomplished musician. I rely on wonderful musicians to bring my work to life. But for me, the, the writing is driven by the, first of all, it starts off as poetry generally. And I grab an idea from wherever it comes from, all of that beautiful, I call it the wellspring of inspiration. And I, it just seems to flow. And I write this and it, as long as it keeps on touching me, I keep on working on it until it becomes, first of all, generally a poem. Then I will revise it and craft it into a song because I find that words in poetry have got a certain cadence. And when you say them with a rhythm, with a flow, you'll the music is embedded in there and the, the melody is, and you can hear it starting to come around. And then I just create and sing the song and create the, uh, the chords from that. So that is generally how I work. Primarily, it starts off as a poem, then it gets revised and transformed into, into a song style and then the music flows from there. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. But it's worth. Oh, it is one of the joys of my life. Creating is the joy of my life. So every day uh, I wake up on, if I have the blessing of waking up on this side of the grass, I am always looking for something colored beautiful to decorate my day. And that can be music, that can be inspiration from anywhere, it can be the interactions that I have, it can be an absolutely beautiful day. One of my songs is called Beautiful Day, and it's my it's my happy song. And it's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if the sun's shining or not, it's still a beautiful day. You know why? Because I say so. Yeah. This is very important. It's starting to oh, take yes. a positive energy and spreading this to other people and also mm. you talk about contemplative writing which is a process if created and coach people yes, with yes. so what power exactly does it entail okay this is so cool because it evolved it evolved from my healing i realized that writing has got the power to transform feelings and to clarify feelings and to make things make sense 
when I write them down. And I find that the the act of writing, actually putting a pen on paper, uh, you can type as well. But for me, I love, I have books upon books upon books of just writing things. And so for me, this evolved from basic journaling or diary writing, just chronicling things into something more. So it is not journaling in that you do not allow, and this is where you will enact your own discipline, your own inner guide. You do not allow self-depreciation, self-bashing, self-flagellation, no self-recrimination to come into this sacred space that you've created for yourself. In this space, you are seeking to understand yourself and your thoughts. And you are exploring in a way that is fearless because you are not uncomfortable. You even will attack and, and uh, or approach the uncomfortable parts of yourself and give yourself the space to clarify and write about those. Because when it's out of you, there's something very cathartic about it being out on the page. It becomes a thing. It's not you. And you realize that that was just a story. It is not you. You're more than that. You are so much more than that. So then there are many different ways of looking at that once it's written down. Because what I usually do is I'll leave it for a little bit. And then I come back to it and I read it again. And I think to myself, am I still feeling that way? And, you know, many times you're not feeling the same way. There's more to it, or you've learned something from that act of writing it down, or you've got more information now, or you're, you've just simply changed your mind. And you revise it and revise it and revise it to the point where you're deeply satisfied with it. Now, what I've found is that this part of you that is what I call my constant traveler, it is the most honorable, compassionate, elegant part of you that you could possibly imagine at this point in time. When you allow that part to have a voice, it will always give you the benefit of the doubt. It will always allow you space for understanding. It will always listen to you and it will never judge you. And whatever you choose to call that in your life, it might be a higher power for some. It may simply be that you're in touch with yourself, with your essence, with what Jung called the wise person, the sage. And that I find that whenever I allow that part of me to lead, I'm always deeply inspired and delighted and satisfied with what I'm writing. Even if it's a hard write, even if it's something that is painful, I still feel authentic pride that I was above the pettiness and above the battleground and above those those feelings that were going to drag me down, I have become better than that. I've become more dignified because of that. And it also prepares me for the next time that something like that or very similar could happen because I've already done the inner work. Yeah. So contemplative writing is all about exploring yourself for the purpose of clarification, of understanding who you are. And automatically, you can find your mission, you can heal, you can yes. produce art, mm -hmm. 
I've never heard about contemplative writing. It is my own. It is something. And, and basically what it is, is like you go to your place where you can set the scene. You create the atmosphere. That's the first empowerment. You create a space for yourself to be able to, to clarify things, to be able to dream, to be able to speculate, to be able to look at alternatives where no one else is, uh, is allowed because you say so. This is your time, your space. Like when, when everyone says, take your time, it is your time to take. So even if you don't have space, let's say you live in a crowded house, uh, you can always go out into nature and do this work. You can always go to a library if it's too cold or rainy to find a quiet space for yourself to do this work. Mm. Or you can sit in like a lot of people, you see them sitting in coffee shops. They're enjoying themselves so much. That's that sacred space that I talk about. And it is a space that where inspiration is allowed to reign. And that's really what this is about. Yeah. Are you currently working on anything new you would like to share with us today? I'm sure you have a lot <gasps> of things coming. Yes. I have actually two books that I'm working on. One is a, a nonfiction book called Always Lead With Your Power Moves. And it is based on my experience as I was working uh, to attain a black belt in Taekwondo and how those principles that I enacted, and there's three basic principles, how they have empowered me throughout my life since that point. So that's one book that is going to hopefully be within this year. And the next one is another novel called Mountain Dreams. And that's the tentative title of it at this point. And it is about a dealing with loss and a different alternative way of dealing with loss and very, very philosophical for people who are grieving and also just want to have a different outlook on, on the world and maybe a perspective that they hadn't thought about before. So that's really where this one is, that one is going at this point, is into that. It's going to cover a lot of harder subjects that people sometimes feel are, are so emotionally charged, but that are very worthy of being addressed and thought about. Because when you let go of your fear, you are much more free. You're free. Exactly, yes. And where... Can we find you online? Well, you can find Enchanting Treve and An Elegant Mind's Handbook, which is published by Divorce Publications, on Amazon. And you can also, I have a third one. This book here was my first book, Saving Your Own Life. I'm just about to republish that one with an up with some updates in it. So it's not available right now, but those other two are available online. Now, also, you can contact me at my website, Paula dtozerauthor.com and I'm on Facebook on Enchanting Treve on An Elegant Minds Handbook so you can check those things there or by my name Paula D. Tozer and so that's always ways that people can contact me and I would love to hear from them yeah. yes and Paula I would love to go back to Canada to interview you again as soon as you sure. publish your two books all right. 
And also, I want to tell our listeners that you are featured in our magazine, The Relatable Voice, this new issue in March, and they will be able to see your book cover and your photo and also read a little bit about you. So what I can tell you is like, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great work and taking care of pets, spreading good energy, writing amazing books. I just want to say thank you for being here today and for accepting our invite. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I would absolutely love to engage with your audience again at some point and to speak with you. That would be awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.